right, good morning, everybody. All right, let's try again. Good morning, everybody. That's a little bit better. It's good to see you guys out here today, and uh, thankful for each one of you being here, and uh, grateful that we can gather, we can worship the Lord, and uh, that groundhog says more winter time's coming. I don't know. Uh, we might have more winter. We might have summer. Who knows what we're going to have, but I-, I know this, that whatever weather we get, we're supposed to get, and we'll suck it up and deal with it, all right? But um, I'm grateful, though, that we have the beauty uh, of the weather in this area to, to live in and to enjoy that God's given to us. But uh, a few announcements today. First, um, we've got this today, yeah, today, um, right after service, for anybody who is interested in being a part of our choir for specials, we're also going to have a choir for our Easter service. If you're interested at all, all right, I want you to meet us down here. Jail's going to be down here. We're just getting an interest meeting. We're going, to st- we're going to want to start to do some rehearsals and practices and things here soon. But if you're interested in singing, all right, I want everybody to go like this. La, everybody, la, on the Catholic, one, two, three, la. Okay, all right. Well, see, you guys are qualified. A couple of you, you can sit down there. That's fine. No, no you're qualified. If you can go la, or maybe even if you can't, you can just mouth the words. We'd still love to have you up here make our choir look good and sound good. Um, but come down uh, right after service, and we'll have just a, a quick meeting just to see some interest in things. Then this evening, we've got a, a very special night. Uh, very excited about this. Tonight at 630, we've got uh, a baby dedication, preaching, uh, Lord's Supper, and then some singing, and then uh, baptism. And so praise the Lord for that. It's a, it's a filled-up night, and uh, I'm excited about what God is doing here. So come out tonight. Plan to come tonight at 630, and to partake with us in the fellowship and the worship, but as well to be able to experience uh, the excitement in the life of a church with uh, someone who is, is showing outwardly what God has been doing uh, inwardly. So um, as well, uh, beginning February the 20th, that's just two Sundays away, uh, we're going to start, and by we're, uh, Stephen and Christy Dalton, uh, they're going to be starting a middle school and high school um, Sunday school class. And uh, so please, first of all, if you know of any middle schoolers or high schoolers in your family, friends, that sort of thing, let them know about it. Mark it down. It's going to be a great opportunity for them to get to know, make some friends, but as well to get to hear the Word of God. And I'm grateful for the, uh, for the Daltons uh, being willing to, to lead it. But be praying for the Daltons. Um, <laughs> be praying for, for this ministry and for, for God to bless it. But, um, so that's going to be starting February the 20th at 930 uh, for youth Sunday school, middle school, and high school students. And then we've got um, an interest meeting for our kids club, uh, the last Sunday of the month, February 27th. And so if you're going to be interested in helping out with our kids club as we're looking to kick it off in May, um, I want you to, to meet with us after church, February 27th. We're going to run this for a few weeks. Make sure you know um, and uh, be praying for it and seeing and asking the Lord this. As we're moving forward and some things are starting to slowly, the engine's kind of getting turned back on and the gas starting to get revved a little bit. We're getting ready to start shifting gears here soon. I want you to pray and ask God, how will you use me? All right. Each one of you that are here today has a purpose and a job to do by God, and you have a part in church. You have a part in this local body and what God is going to do. And uh, all it takes is for us to be faithful and to be willing. And I believe God's got great things in store. But let's go ahead this morning and let's pray. And we're going to stand and worship the Lord. And uh, that's why we're here today. And so let's prepare our hearts now uh, in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you this day. God, I thank you for each uh, soul that's here. Lord, grateful that we can gather, we can worship you. God, I pray that today with every song that will be sung, every 
every uh, speech that we have with fellowship with one another, God, with, with, with the sermon, with the message, God, with everything that takes place today, God, that you would be glorified, that you would be made known, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to us through the power of your Spirit, through the power of your Word. God, I pray that you would meet the needs of every heart today. God, certainly in this room today, there very well may be someone who does not know you as Lord and Savior. I pray that today you would convict of sin, but point them to the cross, point them to what your Son Jesus has done for us, that we might have salvation simply by trusting in Him. God, I pray that today if there's one who needs conviction or encouragement, Lord, that you would meet the need of that heart. Lord, today that every heart that is in this place today would have uh, the right motive and attitude as we stand to our feet and and, and sing and and praise you and as we spend time in prayer, God, that you would be the focus and the goal of all things. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity that we can uh, simply meet and have a new day of life that you have given to us as this gift. Lord, this all today, every breath that we have is a gift of your grace. God, may we use it for your honor and for your glory. Watch over us now and prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Y'all ready to sing? Amen. I heard a few of you are. The rest of you, y'all can join in later. Okay? (laughs) Please stand. We're glad you're all here, and we're glad we're going to be able to get to sing praises to our Lord. Revelation 5.12 says, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive honor and glory and blessing. Worthy is the Lamb. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the nail-pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now I know your forgiveness and embrace. Wash me. 
me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the Lamb, seated on the throne. We crown you now with many crowns. You reign victorious, high and lifted up, Jesus, Son of God, the darling of heaven crucified, worthy is the Lamb, worthy singing that song the lord blessed me too i still got them cold chills running all over me there a little bit and uh, i believe that's the holy spirit of god amen glorify thy name john 12 28 said father glorify thy name and that's what we're going to do in this song is glorify the lord jesus christ and the father in heaven glorify thy name Father, we love you, we worship and adore you, glorify thy name in all the holy name also psalm 103 once is bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord <clears throat> and all that is within me Peace. 
our greeting time. And I see a lot of new faces this morning. Make sure you see them too and wave at them. Make everybody feel welcome. I want to wave at some of you, all, all of you, okay? After you've done that, give everybody a big smile. Please be seated. Okay. We have some special music now by Miss Ann Stone. I'll get all my junk out of your way. Start to know the 
Sam, what a blessing that was. Y'all join with me in prayer now as we go to the Lord in prayer. Let's bow, close our eyes and pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for life here on this earth. And we thank you most of all for eternal life we have with you forever and ever. We praise you, Lord, for that. We praise you, Lord, for your goodness. We praise you, Lord, for your wholeness and your righteousness and all your glory and majesty. Thou art a great and mighty God, and we praise you, Lord, because thou art worthy of praise, honor, and glory. We ask, Lord, you just uh, bless our pastor as he brings the message that you give him, Lord. And we ask, Lord, you give us uh, ear, attentive ears to hear what you have to say and give him boldness to preach what you've given him. And we ask, Lord, that you'd be honored and glorified and all that's said and done here in the preaching of your word. And we pray, Lord, that you just continue to bless the singing service. And, uh, Lord, remember those that are sick and afflicted at this time. Our sister uh, Bonnie is real sick. We ask, Lord, that you just touch her. And, and we lift her up to you and ask, Lord, that you'd heal her. And uh, make her well real quick, Lord, with the great physician you can. We know you can, Lord, and we ask you and beg you that you'd heal our sister. And, uh, Lord, we'll tell you we love you, and we'll praise you for all that you do, and we just want to ask it all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you would, please stand as we sing about the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Revelation 4.8 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy.
Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. Our God, he is an eternal God. He shall be evermore. Amen. Join me in giving our pastor a nice hand and show our honor and appreciation to the man of God. This time, children ages four to six may dismiss the children's church. You can either go out that door and around, or you can come out through this door. Children ages four to six. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter number six this morning. Isaiah chapter number six this morning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, and twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of, of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, and having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And said I, Here am I. Send me. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the songs that have been sung this morning. My, my heart is filled. God, I believe that already you have been worshipped and magnified, but God, we could not sing enough, we could not adore enough, we could not lift you high enough to begin to understand your holiness, your righteousness, your beauty, your worthiness. But God, I pray for just a few moments this morning that you would be kind to us sinners, to each person that is in this room this morning, that God, through your Spirit and through your Word, that you would give us just a glimpse of your glory, of your holiness, of your goodness, of your character. God, that we would be changed. God, that maybe one of us this morning, like your prophet, would be able to say, I am undone, yet here am I, send me. God, help us. In Christ's name, amen. I wish, <laughs> wish you could say that you plan things and that it just comes together so smooth, but it doesn't work that way. This is a, a passage of Scripture that every time I approach it, and it's very few and far between, mostly out of the sheer heights 
and depths of which God has revealed Himself in this passage, that, that it brings about a, a holy fear and understanding about who God is. I, I, I firmly believe that yes, those in Christ have, have the opportunity to go before His throne and, and can have boldness and confidence and assurance, yet I feel very much so that one of our downfalls is that we are all too flippant with who God is. Nor do we understand what it means to sing what we have just sung or to read what we have just read. Last month, we dealt with our, our vision, and our vision statement is this, and, and I'm going to read it again until we get this. Victory Way strives to be a unified body of believers who daily seek to glorify God in our community through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Just a short little bit ago, I had been asked by someone, Preacher, you might, you might want to preach those messages from, from January again in February. But I know you can't do that. And I agreed with them. And all week long I wrestled with God and I told Him how I didn't want to preach this passage. And really, if there's a title today, if there's a title for, I don't know anything, it's simply what we've sung about this morning. And it's to behold your God. But to look today, this morning, in this very moment to, to Christ and to experience all of who He is and to live once more. To live again. I had, and y'all know how Pastor Joe is, that long-winded preacher. He had all of this. Four points. No way in the world that was going to happen today, but little did I know that what God had done is that He had given us last month, but in this passage. And you'll see as we go. So stay tuned this week and next week and until God tells me to stop. This morning, we're going to be looking at verses number 1 through 4 at the revelation, which is, if it were a part of our vision, this is the worship. Worship will only take place, discipleship and fellowship and outreach will only take place when we get a glimpse and we behold who God is. And when we look at Him and we catch this glimpse in Isaiah chapter 6, this prophet Isaiah, who I'm nothing like, he catches a glimpse and he's undone by it. He's overwhelmed by God, and I'm afraid that most of us are underwhelmed by church and the things of God when we should be absolutely overwhelmed by who He is, His sheer goodness and mercy, His infinite grace upon grace. But yet, though, here what God reveals to us is His holiness. God's holiness is far too high for us to reach. It is too far for us to attain or apprehend. It is too deep for us to grasp. But yet, it is near enough that we know it's there, and it's near enough that we must wrestle with it. Not that we would conquer and begin then to say that we have conquered and understand all of His holiness, but rather that all of His holiness would wrestle with us and conquer our own hearts. I'm afraid that many of us in church, many of us who have known and walked with the Lord for a long time, have spent too long without having that wrestling match and being conquered by God and His Word and His holiness. We seek what we may conquer. We see what we may control. We see what we desire and what we can consume and what we can have our way. I want you to know 
that it is not about you, it is not about me, it is simply about coming and beholding who God is and being absolutely changed by it. But accomplishing our mission to know Christ and to make Him known, accomplishing our vision that we just read, only when we behold our God will that take place. We must know Him above all else. There is no higher purpose this morning, nor is there a higher pleasure than knowing God. All the toys and the things of this world will go away like that. God shall remain upon His throne forever and forever and forever. Therefore, there is nothing worth more than viewing and knowing our God. The revelation that takes place, first of all, in verse number 1, as we look and behold our God, and as we behold our God, it leads us to worship Him. It says in the year that King Uzziah died. We have to have a brief little lesson here of Old Testament history. By this point, Israel split up into Israel and Judah. They're a divided kingdom. Things aren't good, and things go from good to bad to worse to back to good again. There's this continuous cycle of following the Lord and obeying the Lord, and things are good, then disobeying God, and things go real bad and get real worse real quick. It sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? It sounds an awful lot like you and I, don't it? But nevertheless, King Uzziah died, and his life and legacy is one worth noting. Uzziah, if people were to put down a list of top five kings of Israel or Judah, he'd be up there. He did a tremendous amount of wonderful things. It was through his ministry and his reign that, that, that they experienced great reforms, they built back things that had been lost, they expanded the, their, their outreach and their kingdom to places that it hadn't been in, in a long time. However, sin cost him his throne, but it cost him much more than his throne. Sin cost Uzziah his life. Turn with me for just a moment to Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. We're going to look at verse number 16. We're going to see that sin that took place, that took him off the throne and ultimately would end his life. 2 Chronicles 26 tells us about Uzziah the king, and you can read through many great things, and, and things are, are great. It says in verse number 4, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did, and he sought God. I mean, you don't get much better than that for a king, do you? As a matter of fact, when you read the, the Chronicles and Kings and, and all these things, what you see is when there was a bad king, it says, and he did not walk, or he did not seek God, or he did not know God, or he did not follow God. But when you have a good king, it says, and he followed God. He sought God. He knew God. He did that which was right before God. That's the difference right there. But later on in Second Chronicles 26, verse number 16, it says, but when he was strong. That is perhaps the downfall of every person on this planet. The moment that we think we're strong is the moment that we are at our weakest. And this is why Christianity truly is some sort of mind-blowing thing that, that God would take the weak things, the, the simple things, and to confound the wise and to tear down those things which view themselves as strong. God uses the weakness 
of preaching the gospel, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and that all who put their faith in Him shall be saved. He uses the weak things like that as the power of God unto salvation. He always has and always will. It says in verse 16, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God. But if you remember just 12 verses ago, he was seeking the Lord. His heart was right before the Lord. 12 verses might be a period of time, but I want you to know it doesn't take long for you and I to go from following the Lord to there we are. Our heart begins to be lifted up. We think we're strong. We think we're somebody. We think we can go it alone. We think we got this whole thing figured out. And bam, here we are. It says, and he went into the temple, which that sounds good until you read the rest. He went to the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him, four score priests of the Lord that were valiant men. Valiant men is not just talking about they were physically strong. It's that they were valiant spiritually. They were men of faith. Oh, that God would give us men of faith in our churches again. That God would give us men of faith in our homes again. That, that God would make me a man of faith. And they withstood Uzziah, the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah. They don't even say, Dear king, mighty one, king of Judah. They say, Uzziah, you better quit it now. This has no business with you, Uzziah to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense, set apart. He says, they say to him, Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priest and the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death dwelt in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah first and last did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. So Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with the, his fathers in the field of the burial which he belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper, and Jotham his son reigned in his stead. He goes from following the Lord to where his heart is then lifted up, and he loses everything. The reason why he lost everything is because he had lost the vision and majesty and holiness of who God is. Something that is quite frightening in this account is that he trespassed the sanctuary of God. When we walk in through these back doors, I want you to know that all are welcome through those back doors. However, just because we walk through those back doors does not mean that our heart is right before God, nor does it mean that we have the right to tell God what we think or how we should worship Him. Instead, what it means is as we come into this place, we come to be consecrated, to be set apart from this world, to do business with God as He does business with us, as He is already 
seated high above all things, that we bow ourselves before him and we honor him and we worship him. And we do so the way in which he has prescribed, not in the way in which we believe we can. Even the king of Judah, even the good king who sought God and and followed God and did that which was right, did not have the place that these priests did. And he went flippantly before God and felt that he was doing God a favor, that he was doing God a service. I want you to know, if you are here today thinking you're doing God a favor, pray that right now, your heart would behold and see God high and lifted upon this throne that we're about to see in Isaiah. And that you would have your heart as well as mine humbled this morning, lest we trespass against God. Perhaps one of the problems of churches today is we ain't had nobody stand up to sing and catch leprosy. We often joke about lightning bolts and things like that fallen dead. We ain't seen that in a long time. If you have, come share that with me afterwards. I'd love to hear about it. But you know something? Thank God we haven't had such. Judgment must begin at the house of God. And here we are today in the house of God. And Back in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, the throne is vacated by a good king. His son is there. There's uncertainty in Judah. They don't know where they're going to go, what's going to happen. There's enemies all around them that have been encroaching and becoming bigger and stronger. And God has allowed such because God is about to bring about judgment to His people who have forsaken Him, whose hearts have been puffed up against Him, whose hearts have led and been led astray, whose hearts have, have not sought Him with, with everything. He's about to bring judgment to His own people because they worship Him without reverence. They worship Him without knowing Him. They speak much with their lips, but their heart is far. Now God had been using Isaiah so far in the first five chapters up to this point to record, as we had just seen over in 2 Chronicles, to record these events. But now Isaiah 6 is often looked at as the, the call of Isaiah's ministry. I want you to know it's much more specific than that. It is the call to his ministry to go and to preach a message to a people whose ears will be stopped up, whose eyes will be blinded, whose hearts will be turned to stone. And they will hear, but not hear. They will see, but not see. They will feel, yet not know God. And he will preach, and it will seem all for naught. Yet God is going to accomplish great things through the message of Isaiah, but... This passage, I would say even a step further, is not about the call of Isaiah. It is about the revelation of who God is. And when we gather in preaching time, does not mean that worship ends. It means that it continues through the Word and the Spirit of God. But it is not because of me or anyone else that will ever stand behind this pulpit. It is because when this book is opened, God Himself is speaking through His Word that He has revealed Himself to us in this. It's not about me and what I've got to say. It's about what God has already said. And it must always be that way. Here, we find, he says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. We go from Judah's vacant throne to now Jesus' 
overflowing throne. Even the throne of which God Himself sits, even, even His own throne does not contain the entirety of His train of His robes or all of His beauty and majesty and holiness. We're going to see that this morning. This is why all the praise that we can muster up this morning will still never be enough. And and that's why eternity will be so glorious because we will finally and perfectly glorify God with all of our heart, soul, mind, body, and strength and with a new body and and I believe a new mind and and a focus will be Him. It will not be a a question about anything else. It's not going to matter in heaven and in glory uh, about the color of the carpet about if the preacher wore a jacket or not, or about what anybody else is doing or singing or, or sounding like, it will be about the one upon the throne. And when we enter in through those back doors, or those side doors, or I don't know how you got in here, how have you got in this place? It is about the one upon the throne. For He is from eternity past to eternity future, been upon this throne, ruling and reigning, and He shall reign forever. No president, no queen, no king on this earth can begin to even compare for a millisecond to God. Isaiah sees the Lord upon His throne. And as Isaiah has seen already, a great king be lifted up and then fallen by his own sin and a throne be vacated. And now the uncertainty of their physical throne in Judah. Boy, what good it does to Isaiah's heart. To, for this moment, God to reveal Himself and to say, Isaiah, that one of my own people might be vacant. It might be uncertain. But this throne of heaven is not. There is never any question about who will reign. There is never any question how long God will reign. There is never any question how He will reign. For He shall reign righteously and justly and with a holy love and a holy wrath forever and forever. Every doubt that Isaiah might have had about Israel or about Judah or about his people, about the friends and family that he holds so dear, about the physical temple of which he had gone to so many times, he sees a greater temple, the heavenly temple of God, where God sits upon the throne. And his heart is going to be changed by it. I believe firmly that the one that is on this throne is none other than the pre-incarnate Lord Jesus Christ. For no man has seen God and lived, yet here Isaiah sees God and lives. He's undone by it, but I firmly believe that he is seeing the image of the invisible God who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the image of the invisible God who is from everlasting to everlasting, the second person of the Trinity. He is the one who was, who is, and is to come. Jesus himself even taught about this, and for sake of time today, I won't go, but you can go to the Gospel of John chapter 12, verse 36 through 43 and see that even Jesus says that scripture it's me Jesus is not just a good person Jesus is not just a prophet or a preacher or a good guy in a robe preaching and healing people no rather he is the king Jesus is the sovereign lord upon this very throne of which Isaiah sees and is undone by and I'm afraid that many of us all too familiar with Jesus. And we forget who He is and we forget who we are. He was and is and ever shall be the sovereign Lord over all creation. Before time, 
He was. Before Abraham, Jesus says, I am. Only I am, the I am, can say such. Jesus alone from this throne has the authority to rule and to judge. And by the way, whether you believe or not, you will stand before this same Jesus. Thank God through the blood of Jesus Christ, not by any work or merit that I have on my own, when I stand before Him, I will not stand before Him guilty. I will not stand before Him found lacking or wanting, but I will stand before Him clothed in His righteousness, cleansed by His blood, And I too with the saints of God forever and forever may worship freely before Him and cry with the angels, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. But there are those who will stand before His throne and they will not be able to say such. There are those who may be even here in this room today who do not have that blessed assurance that Jesus is theirs. There are those today who have never repented of their sins and trusted Christ. Today I want you to know, long before we get to the end of the service, right now, if your heart is undone, because even right now God has revealed to you that you do not truly know Him and that your sins are ever before you, right now there is forgiveness and redemption and restoration and a fellowship with God, the same one on this throne, through Christ. Repent. Turn from your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Put your trust in Jesus alone that He has died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, but He has resurrected that third day and He is alive forevermore. And He is coming back again one day for His own. Trust in Him and be ye saved. Repent, lest ye perish. High and lifted up. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, His rule, His reign, but notice, high and lifted up. When we immediately read this passage, we think that this throne is huge. Oh yes, it is. But you know something? This is not describing just that the throne is high and lifted up. It is that He is high and lifted up. This is not just show the place of the throne, but rather Jesus Himself being far above all things because He is before all things, Colossians chapter 1. But Isaiah speaks more of this as God revealed to him. Isaiah 57 verse 1 tells us, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. God doesn't just inhabit church when folks are here. God isn't just where we gather. God isn't just everywhere at once. He is in eternity through eternity. He is the one who has made time. He is the one who has spoke the world and formed and fashioned, not just the world, but formed and fashioned you in your mother's womb. He knows you and He desires to know you greater that you would simply be adopted by Him. Not through any good work that you would do, but through the finished work of His Son, Jesus. That you would be born again. But thus saith the high and the lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. Holy there in Isaiah 57 verse 1. Excuse me, verse 15, excuse me, is... It's capitalized. The high, lofty one. For thus saith the high and lofty one, the inhabitant eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high place and holy place with him also that is the contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Our God, though He is so high and lofty above all things, 
yet is near to the contrite and humble heart. Today, you might feel as far from God as you ever felt in your life. Today might be the first time you've ever stepped foot in church. It might, I don't know, I don't know you. But God certainly does. And God, though in His high and lofty holiness, above all things, is very near to your heart today. He is near to you, to the one who is lost and undone. He desires to be close to you. He desires to walk with you. He desires to live in you and through you. To those who have maybe been, been wayward or who have been in sin or those who are, who are going, I, I need a new start again. I need a fresh glimpse of God again. He is not just so high and lofty that it cannot be touched, but rather He is here. And He is here for those who are contrite and humble to revive the spirit of the humble. The spirit is the idea of all that you are. There is revival in beholding our holy God and understanding that He, though being so holy and so lofty and so far above all things, yet has condescended the same Jesus in Isaiah chapter 6 who is there upon the throne here in a short while in the world's history is going to step into the scene born of a virgin in the flesh live a perfect sinless life to then be high and lifted up once more. He would be high and lifted up in this world though on a cross. A cruel, rugged, wooden, rugged old cross. And he would be dropped down into a hole where his bones would come out of joint as the blood flowed. As this king who deserves and has always and shall ever be upon a throne ruling and reigning with royal diadem. There, high and lifted up upon a cross. Wearing nothing but a crown of thorns. Driven upon his brow by the same sinners of which that same Holy One of Israel had come to condescend to die for so that they might be near to him. The train filled the temple. Now, you and I, we don't talk too much about trains anymore. The closest thing we talk to about trains is if you go to a wedding and you talk about the bride's dress, right? You've got a long train. Or maybe Josh Turner, long black train. It's about it. As far as we get. We don't talk a whole lot about trains for, for clothing anymore. But a train for royalty was something else. It showed their importance. It showed their majesty. It showed their rule. And the longer the train, the more royal the individual. The longer the train, the more authority they had. The longer the train that they had that was going back, the more servants they had to, to carry their train and to, to serve them and to honor them. Notice his train. Filled the temple. Now we're not talking about a, a big church lady hat. We're not talking about a big long dress or, or big floppy dress shoes in a church. We're talking about his train alone fills the temple. It is that His rule and authority, His reign, His glory, His presence, His majesty, His holiness, all of who He is, fills it. Oh, that our churches, oh, that our churches would be more filled by the majesty of God than another program that we create or another thing that we offer God and think we're doing something good. What we need more filling of is not ourselves or not our abilities, but we need to be filled solely 
by God, God alone. His train fills the temple, which is his dwelling place, if you will. It is a place physically on the earth where the temple was, where heaven touched earth for just a moment. But there is even something greater than the temple where heaven touched earth, and it was Jesus there on the cross. There is something even greater than that now today that Jesus says, you are the living temple, the dwelling places of God. You are where I dwell in. But there is coming a day where once more in a new heaven and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness, that we shall dwell with our God He shall be our God and we shall be His people and He shall wipe away every tear forevermore. We can never revere Him high enough. Nor can we get low enough. This week, in asking God not to have me preach this message, I found myself praying right there on my knees. And it was as if, you know, I'm no charismatic by any means. But as if I heard, that's not low enough. I found myself with my nose in the carpet. I found myself saying, that's still not low enough. And yet the high and lofty one is there for the humble and contrite heart who says, God, I can't get up there. But you've already come. Christ has come so that you, not by your work, not by a ladder or an elevator that you might build, but simply through His blood that you might enter in to the heavenlies to be with our God. Notice the seraphim song. In verse number 2, we find the seraphim who are angelic beings, created beings, perfect and beautiful, yet frightening creatures. Every time an angel stepped foot on the earth to deliver a message, Old and New Testament, an angel shows up, declares a message, and the people who are go, Ah! And then the angel says, Fear not! These are both beautiful yet fearful creatures, and here they are around the throne of God. It says, above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. <coughs> twain, <coughs> he covered his face. Twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. Six wings. Two cover his face or his eyes. Two cover the feet. And two keep flying. Now, this is important. The word seraphim literally means flaming ones or burning ones. Fire, by the way, is the chief symbol of God's holiness. Seen from early portions of Genesis <coughs> throughout the Bible, and ultimately in the book of Revelation as well. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us our God is a consuming fire. May we not forget such. Every creature of God, even these, are unworthy before God. Even these heavenly creatures who are in the very presence of God continuously and without ceasing cover their eyes. For they even cannot bear the unhindered glory of all who God is. They cover their feet in humility and submission. For even they cannot touch the same ground of which this God is on. Spurgeon writes, Thus they have four wings for adoration and two for active energy. Four to conceal themselves and two with which to occupy themselves in service. 
And we may learn from them that we shall serve God best when we are most deeply reverent and humbled in his presence. Veneration must be a larger portion than vigor. Adoration must exceed activity. As Mary at Jesus' feet was preferred to Martha and her much serving, so must sacred reverence take the first place and energetic service follow in due course. I love outreach. I love fellowship. Who doesn't love fried chicken? Us men that gathered yesterday morning, praise God. We had sweet fellowship. The Lord was with us. We had prayer and we had casseroles. And guess what? Today we're still having casseroles. And I love discipleship and seeing people follow Christ, but there is nothing that we must adore more than adoring Christ. Worship. Proverbs 21 verse 3 tells us to obey is better than sacrifice. And you can sacrifice all the good works, all the time and effort and energy, but if your heart is not before God, then it's nothing. But notice though, <laughs> the doesn't say anything about their ears. Whether they have ears or not, I don't know, but I do know this. If they have them, they're uncovered. I believe for a reason. Their job is to hear God and obey His commands. Psalm 103, verse 20 says, Bless the Lord, ye His angels that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Boy, that we would do ourselves a justice before God by Understanding who we are and being much more prone to be prone before Him. To be bowed down in worship with our feet covered, our eyes covered, and, and, and then a little bit of sacrifice or some service going on, but to have our ears open to the Word of God and what He has for us. That when He speaks, we don't just listen, but to not just be a hearer only, but then a doer. We must hear in order to do. May our ears be open to God. But here's their song. And it's the same song that we just sang earlier. It's for me a favorite hymn that glorifies our God, but if there's ever a hymn that tells us who God is, it's this one. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth doesn't just contain His glory because it can't do that. It's full. The idea of full here is that it's, it's taking a glass and pouring it, and then when that glass is full, it's pouring it even more. It is that the world itself cannot even contain the glory, which is the divine nature, all of who God is, it cannot contain. Their song, Holy, 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 is what theologians call the, the thrice hagion. Hagion being the word for glory. Or whole, excuse me, of holiness. And this is a continual cry. We find this as well in the book of Revelation chapter 4. Continuously crying out to one another, the glory, which is the nature, character, and work of God. Holy, holy, holy. The whole world, the whole earth, all of creation is full of His glory. What is holiness? Holiness is not just another attribute. Holiness is not just another way of describing God. Holiness, as we find here, is the sum total of all that God is and all that God does. Notice here, God is love. And He is. Amen? Alright? Thank, thank you. Right. The rest of y'all, God is love. Alright? 
He tells us that here. But notice, when he reveals himself to Isaiah here to call Isaiah, he does not hear the angels cry out, love, love, love. Nor does he hear the angels cry out, justice, justice, justice. Nor does he hear the angels cry out, mercy, mercy, mercy. But he hears them crying out, holy, holy, holy. Now when things are repeated in the Bible, they're of utmost importance, but in the Hebrew, this is especially important. In the Hebrew, nothing has ever been raised to the power of three. There's been some amens and amens and let it be, let it be, or listen up, listen up, sort of thing. Never to the third power. Holy, holy, holy. This is the set apart in perfection, sinlessness, character, purity, and power of all of who God is. And even the very word itself, we cannot contain all that He is or fathom it in our minds. Holiness at its root is who He is. God is His attributes and how we understand Him. But His attributes, every one of them, are holy attributes. Now the phrase here, holy, 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 and the reason why it's so important is because for you and I to try to grasp it in our English, the way we try to grasp it is this. God is holy. But to the second power, holier. But then to the third power, holiest. Right? There's nothing that can compare. It is that this is who He is and we cannot grasp it nor contain it. Nothing ever raised to this degree, but there is nothing that can touch or comprehend the depth or heights of His holiness. Yet in the depths and the heights of His holiness... He reveals Himself to man so that man may know Him. This alludes as well to the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the thrice holy God. The triune, holy, holy, holy God. The Father, Son, and Spirit. And this is how He reveals Himself. He is the Lord of hosts. Which is a phrase used that he is the Lord of an unfathomable and infinite number that you and I could not even begin to number of angelic hosts of beings. Literally, the ideas of that of military status of an army. Every king's got an army. And the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has an angelic host that is far outnumbering anything that the world might produce or fathom. That the whole earth full of His glory. Verse number 4, and we'll be done. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. There are churches today who have placed smoke, fog machines in their churches. Not just to set some sort of mood and ambiance and worship, but have even go so far as to take these things and pump them through the vents with glitter and say it's the Shekinah glory of God. But guess what? When the service was over, the smoke cleared and God was never there. 
nor was he honored in a false sense or a false worship. Instead, all that was magnified in those worship services was man, not God. But if you and I, for just a moment like Isaiah, could behold God there upon His throne, we would know what real worship looks like. Because we would see the one who is truly the only one worthy of worship. We would see the one who is holy, holy, holy. His glory fills and shakes the temple. He reveals himself to Isaiah in an unforgettable and an unmistakable way that this is the Lord God. Smoke as well as used throughout the Scripture that reminds us of His presence. There was a smoking furnace, if you will, when He makes the covenant promise to Abraham. There is as well, as Moses goes to Sinai, that Sinai itself looks like is it's on fire and there's a cloud that has ascended upon it. And God says to Moses, Tell the people to get back, lest I come upon them. Don't touch the mountain. Don't come through this cloud, because you will die. So how do we get to God? How can we get to the mountain of God? It is not because you and I could ever break through or ever be good enough that God would invite us up, but rather it is because He has come from this high and holy place and has entered into our world was despised and rejected. A man of sorrow is acquainted with grief. By his stripes, by his wounds, we are healed. Through Christ upon that cross, from the throne to the cross to the throne, and forever shall he be. Christ is the victor. This is the overwhelming, manifest presence of God. All that he is. The house is filled by God and not man. What we need in our churches, what this pastor needs in his own heart, is not any cool, nifty ideas. I got none. It's not a fog machine either. It's to behold our God. And if we are to know Christ and to make Him known, if we are to be a, a unified body of believers who daily seek to glorify God through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach, it's going to start with our worship of God by beholding Him. Today, as we bring this to a close, have you experienced the holiness of God? My prayer is that today, though we might feel overwhelmed by it, and I pray that each of us do, that we would know as He has just told us in His Scripture that the High and Lofty One, the Holy One who sits upon the throne is here and is there with the contrite and humble. May we have contrite and humble spirits today and experience a great revival of holiness and knowing God so that then we may make Him known. Let's all stand this morning. Before the piano even plays, this altar's open. If you need to speak to the Lord, come. If you need to be saved today, come, and I'll take the Bible and show you, but even now, cry out to God. Go before this same throne, and Christ will meet you there. There's room at the cross today to take us to this throne.
where we might too as well sing, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Would you come today? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And thank you for this service that we could worship you and praise you. God, I pray that you would strengthen us, encourage us. And Lord, as we go from this place today, that we would go and leave here changed. And Lord, that we would see you in a truer light. God, that we would be changed by knowing you, God, so that in turn that we might make you known in this world and in our daily life. Lord, we love you. Thank you for each soul that's here. Continue to do a work in Christ's name. Amen. I want to remind you, too, as we're getting ready to sing a closing song uh, that if you're wanting to sing or interested in singing, stay after the service for just a few moments and we'll discuss the interest for, for our choir. And as well, if anyone needs to be baptized or anything like that or has any questions about it tonight, um, there's still time. Come and see me after church and love to talk with you. Victory in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. God giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about His groaning Of His precious blood's atoning Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me so with his redemption.
say it's been good to have been in the house of the Lord. Amen. We are dismissed. And don't forget, if you're interested in singing in the choir, meet up here right after service. We'll wait on you while you shake a few hands. <laughs>